Hi guys, welcome back to another week of the Meandering Movie Podcast, the podcast that was name was chosen by a coin flip. Yes, it was. And nothing went wrong during the coin flip. The coin flip was done excellently, mm-hmm. and we're all very proud of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your average white man, Gary Copeland, and my co-host, another average white man, is... The sausage maker, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> I have... So many questions about that, but we're going to move on. Um, We mentioned in a previous episode that we were going to touch upon this, and uh, I I, I like the idea of it, so I've written my notes up for this show. Show Um, off. Show off. Show off. Spin off? No, it's not even. Episode. And what we're going to be talking about is um, unexplored subplots. Yes. That's, I think, the, the title of it. And... I'll start this off. I have recently watched Bad Times at the El Royale and Searching. And in both of those films, I got out. And there was a third one. And as it's going to become famous, I'm notorious for having a terrible memory. I can't remember the third one. But in Bad Times at the El Royale and in Searching, uh, I noticed in both films there was a... Not even a subplot, but just like an unanswered question. Hidden in these films, and you could call it an Easter egg. You could just call it a a love of the of the filmmakers that they've tucked these in. Um, so we'll s- for the people who are looking for it. Yeah, and it's it's just interesting. I thought it would be a good chatting point, and it would it bring us on to I think open us up to another meandering episode. But we'll start with Bad Times at the El Royale and the 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 the, the words the words the bit of Bad Times at the that I, I picked up on and I, I completely forgot about it which is a testament to how much I enjoyed that film it's a damn good film it's a damn good movie um, the bit I completely forgot about is pretty early on you meet the cast which is uh, Jeff Bridges we've got John Hamm we have got who else Dakota Johnson Chris Hensworth and then two other younger actors I think it was the Actress's first time in a film. I'm not yeah, sure. I didn't recognise her. I the young lad whose name. We can look these up. We can look these up. Um, but anyway, you know, we were introduced to the cast pretty early on, yeah. and we've got Jeff Bridges as the clearly not a priest. Um, we've I mean, the got, trailer tells you he's not a priest. The trailer thanks, tells you exactly. No spoilers there. Um, and we then we meet John Hamm, who is uh, we learn pretty early on a vacuum salesman. Which is innocuous, and he's certainly got the charisma of a. He's got the charisma, but he's also a bit of a bastard, oh, and he's got his racial tendencies of the just times. Wonderful, you just want to like cuddle him, and he's, you know it's solid. Really enjoyed it, um, and then spoilers. This is your fair warning. Um, it comes out that John Hamm isn't a vacuum salesman. In fact, he is some kind of central intelligence, CIA, FBI spy, and he discovers the back rooms of the El Royale because he's looking for his bugs or his agency's bugs in the room and then he gets murdered pretty like quickly big old shotgun to the chest and god it's brutal <laughs> <laughs> um, and that all happens and from pretty much him dying onwards it's never touched on again that he's central intelligence yeah he's sent there to retrieve a film involving someone that you don't know who it is <sighs> Shit. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That ties into that. Yeah. Oh, man, now I feel like this whole... It's not even... No, 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 because <laughs> the more interesting... Just as interesting as that is that he discovers something... He goes with a motive, which is to 
maybe get, maybe he goes there for the film. We're not entirely sure, but he goes there for a reason that's never explained, and then something much grander yeah. and the film meanders. <laughs> well, everything meanders. But it, but it's the question of like who are these people in yeah. charge? Effectively, who who are who is John Hamm working for? Why did they bug the room? Presumably, now that you've brought that to my attention and you're clearly a much smarter man than I, yeah, the film is... I am the sausage maker. You are the sausage maker. The film's obviously the key part of this. Damn. So whoever's on the film is the person they bugged the room for. That's why. But who's bugging the room for the people on the film? Well, that's the second question, isn't it? Like, so, so, and, and you know what? Yeah, that brings us to the, the other answer question. Why were they? Is, I mean, was it just... They, they mean, reference it as being the, a perv motel. My... Well, not my theory, but when I was came out after seeing it with uh, my best buddy Philip, mm-hmm. his we had a theory that politicians and of that kind of era, we thought maybe JFK could be on it because they were yeah. like, there's a line where they say like, oh well, he's dead now anyway, so what does it yeah. matter? And that's around the time yeah, where like the, time the FBI would want to close something like that down because obviously. <gasps> And if it's JFK, because they've, the film is him banging someone. Yeah, because he was a bit promiscuous. Oh my god, Gavin, my entire world just... Yeah, but it might not... It, they might not be relating it to him, and they're just keeping it vague because they didn't have an actual answer. Totally. Could be Elvis, you never fucking know. <laughs> but it's JFK. Frank Sinatra. We just cracked it. We cracked the case. I, mean, I don't think we cracked I mean, Philip cracked it, and then I went, that's a good idea, and then I've now just stolen it from him. But No, he's not here. Let's I, take full credit. I said <gasps> politician, and he said JFK. Was, that's, yeah. that's genius. Yeah, and yeah, presumably. But then John Hamm would, didn't know about the filming. Yeah. But then he would have, yeah. And it's still, mad. who are the people in charge of the RIL that are doing this? Terrific. What motive do they have? And that's the interesting thing is, that's not what the film's about. That... Any other film, that would be the plot is, who are these mysterious people? We need to go to the big building and, oh, there's the man at the top behind the big desk. Not in this. It's about just random people who show up at a hotel. Wrong time, wrong place. Exactly. And Chris Hensworth shows up with these abs and it's just glorious. And good V-line as well going down his crotch. V-line is... I'm just going (laughs) to... I want to see a man with a W-line. That's what I want. (laughs) What's going on there? (laughs) But yeah, no, like it, it's it's an interesting one, and yeah, okay, so that's kind of uh, we we ran over my first one, but I have a second, Ooh. second backup film just in case we, in case that happened. <laughs> I mean, I think that that worked as like there's there's questions there. There is kind of questions, and, it, and it, you know what? If, if and that's only a theory about JFK because it could literally be anyone. It could have been, but yeah. So could've so and, and you know what? You're right. At the end of the day, who is John Hamm working for? And it's it's I like the fact that the film doesn't go into more detail on it. It's what I'm trying to say. I think I like the fact that the film has these open questions where you have to make your own mind up about it and it gives you some pieces but most of it is up to your own imagination yeah. which is it's cool and that brings me on to the second film which I saw which is Searching um, also a damn good film also a damn like good surprisingly that damn was good a surprisingly film. right like I I went into that with no expectations no like none I, I'd seen the trailers and I was like oh god it's yeah. like it's like that when unfriended was, movie yeah which, those horror movies mm. where it's like oh there's a guy behind you and there's not and they scream into the webcam and it's like, just, no dude exactly and I was kind of just like this is <laughs> gonna be rubbish <laughs> gonna be rubbish and then I went in and was massively surprised yeah. and loved it like yes. loved every minute of it like and the main plot of that film is brilliant yeah perhaps it's 
one of the most surprising and engaging films I feel I watched this year, but I was just like, by the end of it, I was just hooked. I was yeah. like, what's going to happen next? I need to know what's going to happen. And it had a good amount of twists, and twists that genuinely caught me off guard. And yeah. spoilers, again, just before. If you haven't seen Searching, go watch it, or spoilers. skip ahead. Um, I'll put in the notes where you need to skip ahead to. <laughs> but the twists of, I definitely thought the uncle was banging the daughter. I mean... No, I didn't, I didn't. Did you not? No. I totally... I thought, there's no way the film's going to go that way. I thought it was going that dark. I thought it was... And I was going to applaud them. It didn't, thank God, but I definitely I did, thought... I forgot about the weed, because I remember they showed the weed yeah. in the beginning, and then I completely so, forgot about it, and then he brings... And I'm like, of course they're smoking weed. He's not fucking her. And when it was explained, I was like, oh, I feel like a total dick for thinking that as well. But, like, but that's that, good. You're John Cho's character. For me... One of my favourite things about searching, and this isn't to toot my own horn, even though I am the sausage maker, and I had a great moment in my life, which is when he is wed on a, on Skype with yep. Melissa Dibbling's character, I saw a picture of her son in like the background, and I recognised it as one of the kids on daughter's Facebook, and I went, they're friends. And then she tells that story, and yeah, like, yeah. oh, he was like stealing money. And he covered, she covered. And, I, and I'm like, oh, did you crack it? I, cr- I cracked, well, I had a... An inkling at that point. Okay. I wouldn't say I had my thoughts. See, I I started to kind of clock onto it when the kid comes in and she turned around and was like, "Get out! Yeah, I'm co- I'm dealing with this." However, I think I'd gone down a completely different route. But the, <laughs> my completely different route, I'll, we'll come back to because it's what we're actually meant to be talking yeah, about. But we've gone off on a, a crazy route. <laughs> <laughs> if it's true, I'm like. Holy shit. So Because I never noticed it. And and yeah, and, and so yeah, so we've got we, you know, John Cho brilliant performances from everyone yeah. as well. John Cho, Deborah Messing, like full on epic performances. And yeah, I didn't get the twists. I was pretty much in the dark the whole film. But the point that I wanted to bring this in and, and with the unanswered questions that this is the theme of this episode. Yeah. Throughout the film, on news sites, and you didn't catch this, and I'm glad I did catch this. I was just shocked when you were telling me this. Early on in the film, you notice, well, I noticed that one of the headlines in in on off the side of his news website that you'll get to see because you're on his the desktop, scrolling ones that are just yeah, is something along the lines of EMP from another universe could like could aliens exist? And I was like, oh, that's cool, little throwaway clickbait headline. Yeah whatever and then maybe 40 minutes 50 minutes after that i saw another one which was along the lines of like light scene coming towards our universe from emp blast and i was like wait a minute that references the other headline like that's interesting that's bizarre but interesting then i didn't see anything and then the final one which i did see was you know nasa uh calls emergency meeting with white house and i was like that could that be the same continuous story? Yeah, is that the same continuous? Is it aliens invading? So I went and looked online, and God love Reddit. <laughs> They'd done the legwork for me. Yeah, effectively, there are, I think, seven headlines throughout the film scattered. Um, and they're pretty much talking about aliens invading or becoming a threat to Earth. Which is, like... Amazing. It's brilliant. And, and you know, kudos to Anish Chaganti, apologies, um, for putting it in there just as a little Easter egg for anyone that found it. Yeah. But, like, I want to know more about that. And and that's where I thought the film was going to go. I genuinely... You I thought gen- it was going to be an alien abduction. <laughs> I thought the film was going to go for the sci-fi. When that route, it would either be the worst or best point of... No. It would have been brilliant. I would have been... I would have been shocked and I would have loved it and I would have loved the fact that they had gone completely off the deep end with it. And it would have been... 
I mean, I don't know about that. I liked what you were telling me about this little thing you noticed because I was like, that's amazing. That's a great way to say it's it. cool. It's but cool. then to say that you thought it was an alien abduction. I thought that they'd given me the pieces. I thought I was on the right track. Like I thought I thought I had it. But anyway, like yeah. So it's it's interesting though that I they kind of wish they had done that. <laughs> Imagine what that John Cho plays Sulu in Star Trek. What if it was a precursor to him in Star Trek? And it's just <laughs> it was the Klingons all along. Could have been. There we go. Could have read some Star Trek. That's my Reddit fan theory. I'm going to go write it up. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I thought it was it was really interesting, and and it is. It's. I suppose the, the what I wanted to talk to you about is: is it a detriment or is it a positive? Putting something like that in a film, so if people like myself do pick up on it, and then. And it goes back to a previous episode, actually, where I talked about, like, what I wanted to happen. Because although that's yeah. batshit mental, I was then expecting aliens to come in. And when it didn't happen, I was kind of a little bit like, oh. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I she was saw safe. Your... She was alive. Which is better, I know. But she I... took the benzo. <laughs> Yay. Yay. But I, you know, so what would you say? Would you, do you think that's a... Do you think that's... You know, obviously it's their, it's their film. They can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. But should they have put in breadcrumbs that are so completely off topic that if you do pick up on them you could have visions of a you know of a wildly different film um, is that detrimental or is that I positive personally love that stuff yeah especially when it's done to an extent where you have that kind of thought of like is it aliens or like when you've got people online going what does this mean and they're trying to like connect to it like, maybe they like I just said maybe the Star Trek and the searching universe there's a franchise right there yeah I love that stuff because I think it was Terry Gilliam who was one point he was talking about a book about Stanley Kubrick and he was comparing Kubrick to Spielberg and how when you watch a Spielberg film everything's answered not to like shot on Spielberg by the way, because mm-hmm. Spielberg, but just like <laughs> kind of Spielberg-esque films, where it's kind of like everything's wrapped up in a neat little bow. There's no other yeah. questions. It ends happily. The good guys win. Four thousand Jews get saved. It's like yeah, it's happy. And then you look over to like a Kubricky filmmaker or world, and it's like it's questions everywhere. And Nolan, Nolan's a, a big perfect, one. Nolan's yeah. a perfect example of just like. They're, they're just little hidden moments in the back. You're just like, what does that tie into this? What does that mean for this later element? Yeah. And you leave the film having enjoyed it, especially if it's an Nolan or Kubrick film, but you're also like, what did that mean? And you're thinking about it. And it, the film has a much longer lifespan than the good guys won. Yeah. Done. Totally. And I think I think this is going to bring me down, in, I think bring us down into two subplots. And I think we should delve into both of them. First one we'll tackle is open-ended movies I think because it's you're right like question a film that leaves you questioning a, a film without a twist and then the other subplot subgenre even here is opening questions with a twist right so first example that I'm thinking of this comes to my brain of recent times would be Three Billboards yes so the end of Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri which is I think my standout film from last this year I should have won Best Picture I I would, call, sh- I would say Call Me By Your Name should have won personally. Oh, uh, yeah, also very good. But that's me. Just but I, I love Three Billboards. It's a damn good film. I, again, went into, I kind of knew what I was going into with Call Me By My Name, but with Three Billboards, I went in, had no idea. It, was, it wasn't even on my radar. I completely missed it. I just I knew it was the oh. director of Bruges, so I was like, here we go. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. Brilliant movie, powerfully charged, dark yeah. humour, you know, it's everything. It's just... 
towers over you at points. Just holy shit, this is. And and I suppose you know at the end when it shows you no twist really, just a powerful film start to finish. But do they go and kill the guy? Yeah, you're left to your own devices. Personally, I don't think they will have done. I think they've. I think at the end of the film they both kind of, you know beaten their demons and yeah. they're they're on a road to a, a a literal and metaphorical road to a better place I, I yeah I'm kind of the same boat I think it's not I, w- I don't think those are two people that are going there to murder that person I think it's more two people going there to complete the final step of their kind of rebirth almost or their their renewal mm-hmm. as people because obviously Francie McDormand's character is just beaten down and she is bitter and sad and lonely. And then you've got um, Sam Rockwell's character who is just an awful, awful person. person. The whole movie. And that car journey is those two in the car helping one another become better people. It's it's, not about going to kill the person, I don't think. uh, Yeah, and it's an interesting kind of grey moral area, and I love me some grey moral areas. Sam Rockwell's Sam Rockwell's a total dick and a total bastard, and Franz McDormand is a, you know, you're even shown she's not the best person. She's got a moment. When she finds out that Woody Woody Harrelson's character's dying of cancer, she's kind of like, ah, I will. Yeah. Like, tough shit. And um, of course, Sam Rockwell is a horrific racist. Yes. Horrific Sam, racist. Sam Rockwell is definitely the worst of the two. But, like, you know, they, they, Sam Rockwell lives in, in probably the black, and, and Francis probably lives in the light grey. But then the two of them going, and it's this kind of grey of, like, the film makes it pretty clear that whoever they are going to meet up with is has done something terrible. Much worse than either of them. Much worse than either of them. So if they did kill them... Where does that land them? Does, like it's does that then put them in the same camp as this person they're going to go kill? Right, it's, it's like the whole the Batman conundrum. If he kills, then it's them. The Batman conundrum. That's <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. But it's really interesting. Not only the open endedness of like what is next for these two characters, mm-hmm. but also that it does it with two such broken bad because. I knew after I saw Three Billboards and that Sam Rockwell's character had a slight redemption mm-hmm. that there was going to be backlash to that. Yeah. And that's understandable because you don't want to be like, here's this horrific racist man, but now he's nice. So it's kind of like, and that justifies that in a way. It's like, no, it's I don't think it's that. I think it's more what we're kind of talking about. There's more depth to it than yeah. he was racist, he's not racist, so racism's okay. It's not that. It's These are bad, broken people that can... There's There's... A chance for people to get fixed and yeah. get to the light side. I, 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 you know, what? I wouldn't even say get to the light side. I'd say get from the black to the grey. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's what the film is was for me trying. The point was like, we want, and it, you know, you come to this by yourself, but we want you to understand that there is, there isn't whites and blacks in the world. Well, there is. Funnily <laughs> enough, um, but you know, the world is shades of grey. Like, yes. fundamentally, that's why black and white films are better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like, I, I did. I just love the fact that it finishes on that nice kind of open, open. You know, here's you make up your it, own it mind about end what with happens. Like, because I fully expected that film to end with, here's who killed the daughter, and here's totally. the scene of the daughter being killed, and just to give you, because the audience is like. Who's killed her? Who's killed her? Yeah. It was like, that's not the point in the film. The whole point of the film is the redemption of Francis McDormand. 100%. Because she goes in like, I want to know, and ends it with like... She's still, I come to terms with this. She, yeah, she's dealt, She's dealing with it, and she's getting to the point of dealing with it. And it's, not, the film is never about, 
answering the question of who killed her daughter. Exactly. And 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 another one which um you know I think is the same kind of same kind of ilk, maybe not quite as open, but is is her, which is a completely different genre of movie. Yeah. Rom com obviously a uh, rom com, rom sci fi <laughs> yeah. com um, drama. I don't know. Spike Jones directed it. Yeah. But I like another film that I absolutely adore, and that finishes with obviously you know the whole plot, no no twists, no real shocking revelations other than you know ASIs are going to take over one day and be far superior to us. It's a whole different terrifying episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know they they leave and they leave um, Wackham Phoenix by himself, and you get left with him and his neighbor. I want to say I don't think she's his neighbor, but his like friend throughout the film yeah. who both had relationships with. Is it um, AIs at that point? It's uh, what's her name? Amy McDonald, isn't it? No, it's. I think it's is it not? Amy, Have I got the wrong McDonald? No, we both just typed into Amy it. Adams. Amy Adams. That was it. I knew, I knew it was an Amy, but I know I that those Amy Adams, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, and then what did I say? Rachel Amy McDonald. I think I said. Who's Amy McDonald? Isn't she a singer? I think she is. Anyway. Scottish singer. <laughs> Getting off topic. Yeah. Amy Adams, you know, his neighbour slash friend who, throughout the film, they've kind of been there for each other yeah. and they talked about. And then it gets, you get left with, like, you know, the film kind of touches on, like, these two people probably should be together anyway, but they're not. They're with their AIs. And then you get left with him going to check on her because he's aware that her AI will have disappeared into the ether. And you get left with that nice little... Where... Is this- did it take the yeah. connection of the AIs going away to bring to, these people together? Together, exactly. Like, and are they going to together? And are they going to move on? And are they going to be together? Or is because there's that really cool thing you can do with a film, which is you can drop someone, you can drop an audience member into someone's story, and you go, "This is the part of the story we're going to show you." And then the film ends, and it goes, and their story is going to continue, and whatever goes on is for you to think about, and for that story to exist in some totally. weird plane. And totally. I, I love that. Like, I don't need the story which, like, like biopics are. God, I love a good biopic. <laughs> that means I don't, because uh, like Bohemian Rhapsody is a perfect example of a terrible biopic film. <laughs> it's like, here's them young, and then here's their entire story until death, and it's just like, there's and we're. And there's no room for depth or exploration. Right. But you take her, and it's just like, here's a segment of this man's life. Because what, Joaquin Phoenix character is probably like late 30s. Yeah, I think so. Early 40s and that. So he's lived so much life. And then you drop in at a point where he gets connected with Scarlett Johansson's voice, which is, oh, just ear sex. <laughs> and then you, you're you with him for that journey. And then that journey ends. And the film leaves you to then ponder and wonder what's next for him where's she going to go next and totally. will he end up with Amy McDonald the Scottish singer <laughs> yeah so will it end up with Amy Adams oh I'm sorry I want Amy McDonald yeah and I, I just love it I, I love I do love an open ended yeah. film which lets you lets you decide and it's I think it's kind of ties in with the previous episode where you know we get to make up our own endings to movies and you need to be kind of pushed down the right avenue but you get to yes. also wander off down the side street that you choose I but guess here's the danger of an open ended film I feel which is her is going to end and there's not going to be her 2 or her episode 1 that takes place before her <laughs> yeah. it's like but when you take something like a episode 8 
or Star Wars Episode 8, I should say, because I just realised I said a lot of numbers, <laughs> no sequence. But if you end Episode 8 with questions, people are then, or I guess Episode 7 ended with all the questions. This has just been a meandering disaster of my mind. <laughs> episode 7 ends with all those questions, and you know there's going to be another one yeah. with answers, and those answers aren't going to be good. Whereas her is going to end, and then there's no answers after that, and you just get to have your own interpretation. And that's where I think open-ended is both good and bad. Good and bad. I get you. I get you. I, but I suppose the problem with that is whether you're, you're making a series of movies yeah. or if you're making a single film. Because um, Moon's probably another one. Mm, Moon. Yeah. Although I'm trying to... I'm just, I haven't watched Moon in a while. It's one of my up-thereys. I love that movie. But... At the end of that, the spoilers for all these, by the way. I mean, Moon came out a long time ago. It did, right? 2009. But, but in Moon, Sam Rockwell finds out that he's a clone, and obviously the the calm, placid Sam Rockwell that went to the went to the Moon base first and yeah. is and is relaxed and chilled out on the Moon, who they now clone indefinitely, and he goes through his own consistent three year, three year, four year time lifespan lifespan. And you get, you know, that nice contrast of when he first wakes up and he's a bastard to he's been on the moon for four years and he's really chilled out. And then he comes back to Earth. And I can't remember if it does, but yeah, you get that whole, like, what happens now that he's on Earth? Like, is he, you know, does he break down the entire industry of of using clones as free labor? Does or? he become, like, a, an advocate for, yeah. like, free clone rights or... But you don't. None of that gets touched on. But that's why I'm, I'm worried. I'm trying to remember now because I think during the credits, it, maybe you see like one or two Flashes very brief, like news headlines. But yeah, I can't remember. Either way, I, I remember in fact it was because um, Duncan Jones directed that one, and then his other film came out this year, Mute. A Mute set in the same universe as Moon, and it has oh. like uh, digital advertisements of Sam Rockwell's character, like either going to the moon or having come back from the moon. Okay. I need to watch that. But then. I don't watch that movie. It is <laughs> horrific. That it tied itself into the moon, I'm just like, you bastard, why did you do you that? tarnished my favourite film. Because I can't remember, like, what it was saying on those posters, but it did have, like... It had Sam Rockwell's Yeah, like, image. and his kind of spacesuit type yeah. of thing. And Because okay. what, what it says on those posters might be, like, more answers. Answer okay, well, in that case, that ruins that. But if that film's terrible, we will strike it from the record, right? My point still but, stands. I mean, Moon, can st- <laughs> Moon still stands its own because, yeah. like I like to do a lot of the time when they bring out shit films that tie themselves into good films, it's just pretend those films don't exist. <laughs> it's a way to live a life. I mean, there are it's two alien mean. films and that's it. There's no more alien films. I disagree. There are four alien films. Are you <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding, oh, I'm God. kidding, I'm kidding. I know they are awful movies. However, little little Gary, who lives inside little me, Gary. fucking loves Alien Resurrection. What? I don't know why, man. I just... You love the basketball scene where she's playing basketball? I, little Gary loves everything about that film. Ron Perlman, Ridley playing basketball, that weird white hume alien thing. It's all... Didn't they just turn into like a milkshake oh man it's all total just terrible horror pulp like it's that weird era of of pulp horror yeah just gritty garbagey like everyone is on a 
bin lorry looking kind of ship and it's just like <laughs> it was bizarre and it was covered in grease and I, I can appreciate it's terrible but yeah there's that little child of me that saw it when I was a kid who just fucking I, I watch Alien Resurrection more often than I should I think I've seen it twice <laughs> and that's more than I should have seen um, but, but yeah this I think on that we'll go on to the second little subgenre of and there's more of these that I could just jump into my head oh, yeah, straight away. Ton, I mean, let's say we could just drop into Alien right there with all the stuff. film. Like, yeah, and you're right, actually. Yeah. So the second little subgenre, just is a subheading: um, films that have, you know, twist open endings. Mm. The 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 big one before we go into Alien, the big one I think, and it's the one that everyone will know about, is Inception. Yeah. It literally finishes on a. <gasps> Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Is it not? And you know, you don't did it, get to did it shudder a bit? Was it about to fall? I know. Like so, it's you know, and yeah, for better or for worse, there are hundreds of these. You know, yeah. um, and I, I, I think I lean into the camp of yeah, they're they're brilliant because otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here talking about them. I mean, yeah, I mean, Inception by itself is just like a next level piece of just filmmaking. Yeah, but. I think what made Inception last even longer a lifespan in like the kind of cultural mindset was that spinning little talk thing. Totally. Otherwise, that film would have gone under, not under, but it would have disappeared with the it would have had interesting its, sci-fi. It would have had the Nolan kind of lifespan of like this film's around for two months, everyone loves it, and then move on. We move on to our next film. But with that, it was like you had tons of articles and people on YouTube like freeze framing and. Here's a theory that ties into the top. Have you thing. seen the theory that, that about what the actual answer is? No. Yeah. So was it a dream? Was it not? Apparently, going from memory here, apparently in every dream sequence he either is or isn't wearing his wedding ring. Okay. Because the spinning top isn't his totem. It's That's his wife's. wife's totem. And obviously they make it very clear. You shouldn't have someone else's totem. Never let anyone touch it. It has to be yours, yeah? Yeah. Um... So that's not his totem. So it's that's the rule broken. His totem is his wedding ring. So when he's wearing it, he is in a dream, if I remember correctly. And in every dream sequence, it, it, that theory travels through the film. And in the end, he is wearing it. So the final scene... With the spinning top is a dream. He's not with his kids. He didn't get out. He is. He's endlessly floating through dreamscapes. But you know what's the great thing about that, that theory? Well, is that it's a theory. It is a theory. That's what. I love. And also, I, I say it tracks to the film. I don't know that. I didn't watch it, and I've never actually. I, after reading that online, I never went back and watched Inception to be like, oh yeah, he is wearing the wedding ring. I just accepted it as. As, as, and that's the great thing is you can accept it or you don't have to accept it yeah. and that's the great thing about these because I think Nolan does a great job as well because when he was on the Dunkirk kind of media tour people have always bring up like so it was like Inception or Dream Not and he goes do they? do people well, yeah. still bring that up? people will ask him and he'll literally just be like that's for the audience to figure out that's not for me to answer and I'm like <laughs> yes because <laughs> then you look at JK Rowling and she's just like just We'll be sitting on Twitter one day and she'll just be bored and she'll just say, like, oh, it turns out Harry wore glasses because he had glaucoma. And he's like, what? Why Why is that? Stop giving us this level of, yeah, detail. Oh, but then it's... So then it's... I suppose then it's a, a bit of a tricky one because films like Inception, is it better that there's not any definitive answer whatsoever or should there be clues littered throughout that film that are 
that, that, that mean we can figure out. So if that theory is correct and the ring is actually the puzzle piece that cracks the case, yeah. brilliant. I like that. But if it just ends on a spinning top, oh, is it a dream? Is it not? I yeah, I think I prefer it if if there is little nuggets, nuggets for you to crack it to figure it out. I mean, I feel it really just depends on the person mm-hmm. because that's you, true. Because with an audience, you get a broad range of awful human beings totally. going to the cinema, and you have the people that they just want the answers and they just want the film to tell them what to think, and then you've got the people in the polar opposite where they want to sit there frame by frame and like study, mm-hmm. like figure it out. Yeah. And I feel that is maybe it's the filmmaker's duty if they're going to pose those kind of lofty questions yeah. to just leave little things, but nothing definitive. Yeah, that's the way I feel. It's, it's interesting because like Total Total Recall is another one in the like it's complete a completely different movie. Yeah, but Total Recall obviously is it is it his brain shutting down Much. or is he a super intergalactic spy? Like what? I, I, sorry, I'm, <laughs> we're doing a podcast. Nobody can see me shrug. I just shrugged in a <laughs> in a in a faux. Who knows? And um, I accepted the shrug and gave him a thumbs up. We did. Um, but yeah, like Tori Cool. So he, you know, the, the plot of that movie. He goes. He goes to the, some memory inception place. Yeah. Gets a memory of, if I remember correctly, the memory is called Blue Skies on Mars, okay, and then he shows. They get shown a picture of a woman, and that woman is the rebel leader later on in the movie and then he goes in and then everything happens and I think the the talking point on that is like no that like everything is a dream that's just his brain yes. crapping out because he you know what happens at the end of the film blue skies on Mars who's the rebel leader the woman that they showed him so obviously it's all in his but memory I think the most overused theory is this was a dream this was a dream so what, it was all a dream did you see that film a you were never really here, the Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't catch that one. Lynn Ramsey, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like the most brutal film, even though it's nothing brutal about it. I think it's just because <laughs> it's like so emotionally just yeah. kind of cripples you. But there's a scene where he goes to commit suicide, mm-hmm. but and he walks into a river and he like ties up his feet and then he like goes like starts to sink and then he has like a vision of something and then he bursts back out of the water and like plows forward with like to do this thing and then you've got the people who say he actually died there in that river and that's all and everything afterwards is like his final blinking what he wanted to do and you've got other people like he left the river and he went and did the thing and life was good and blah blah blah. I suppose it probably depends on your disposition as a human being yeah (laughs) whether or not you're a depressing bastard or if you're an optimist I'm in the camp that he died in the river (laughs) 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 because I just think for that film tonally it makes more sense but but because there's because there's loads of films like that Pan's Labyrinth Pan's Labyrinth finishes as far as I'm concerned I think Pan's Labyrinth finishes she died yeah and the, the fairy tale is literally just her brain coming to terms with it. However, I have a friend who was like, no. She went, and she went to the fairy the tale. The fairies is all real. And I was like, what made you think that? <laughs> but that's, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth is such a perfect example of I love that Guillermo del Toro is like, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. It's like a child can imagine all this because we all imagined that kind of shit as a kid. 
I think. Uh, I you're on your own. I mate. don't know what you imagined as a kid. I imagined fully landscaped Guillermo del Toro films as a child. I imagined death a lot. Oh, well, I was just watching Bill and Ted's. Was that it? No, no, just the physical representation of death. Oh, okay. Well, this podcast is <laughs> uh, Welcome to uh, the psychological version of the These are actually uh, Gavin's psych- psychoanalysis of Gary Gosling. <laughs> He's lying on a couch right now, and I'm wearing a, a, a white coat. But yeah, like it's it's is yeah. Is it a child's dream or is it is? Can, do you want to believe the fairies real? Like she, she creates the dreams to escape reality because reality is awful. Shit, that bottle scene in Pan's Labyrinth. That bottle scene is haunting. That film is just. It's so wonderfully like childlike and imaginative, and then at other points you're just like, oh god, that's a, that's like his face, his face. Oh, the rabbits. But yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a few other ones. We've got, I think, District Nine. Neil, Michael Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Um, South Africa. That South wasn't Africa. a South African accent. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was an attempt. But yeah, like the end of that, and I think this, this remains a second question. Actually, the end of that had the flower. So he, he presumably gets turned into a shrimp. Yes. Prawn. Prawn. That was it. Yeah. Prawn. Apologies. Apologies, C. Apologies, the shrimp uh, community. Oh, yeah, apologies, cephalopods. Um, <laughs> Look at you, it was a fucking cephalopod comment. Um, you know, he's good at biology at skill. Presumably he turns into a brawn, and I think that's widely accepted. And then he leaves the flower for her. And then there's that final shot of a prawn... Whittling the... Whittling it. So maybe this isn't one. Maybe this is just like a... Yeah, it makes it pretty clear, actually. The more, the more I talk about <laughs> it, no it's, question pretty, there. it's just... pretty obvious that he is a prawn. There's no question. But... Sidebar on this, would they not be making make a trilogy of those films, Jackson? Uh, and I, I, if I remember, if I remember correctly, because obviously there's that big piece of it which is like, I'll help you help me launch the ship, and then we'll come back in like a thousand years or a hundred years or something, and we'll save the planet, we'll save the rest of the prawns. It's been a long time since I've done Yeah, me too. But then I remembered there was talks of Jackson doing another two films, and one was going to be the ship coming back and the inevitable. War, like the build-up, and then the final one was I the actual war between. What happened there is that both Peter Jackson and Neil Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp, um, got so many offers and projects. Well, I mean, Peter Jackson had all the projects that he ever wanted, but Neil Blomkamp, a lot of offers yeah. started coming his way because this nine got like Academy Award recognition and everyone's talking about it yeah. it was like one of the most talked about films that year it was really good and like at one point he was like in circulation for the Halo movie he was going to do a sequel to the second Aliens film he looks like yeah that's what I was going to say he's, looking, he's following on in the Halloween vibe of cutting everything after Hall- Aliens yeah. and doing Alien 3 and he was going to bring up Ripley and the actor uh he was going to bring back the three actors who left on that pod at the end of Aliens. Yeah. He was just going to do a sequel to that. But then, of course, Ridley Scott came along and went, no, I'm going to do Alien Covenant, because that's what everyone wants. <laughs> what and we're then, waiting for. And then I think the biggest problem Neil Blomkamp had is his two follow-up films with District 9 were not good. What Elysium and uh, Shappy. Right. Which were both. <laughs> everyone kind of went, oh. And I think yeah. people kind of look at Neil Blomkamp as like, Flashing plan, flashing plan. Like he had a great idea, and he nailed that idea. And after that, he's, no, he's never just struggling to reach those highs again. Because I think his main problem is, is like he's, a, from a technical standpoint, a great filmmaker. His films look and feel gritty yeah. and honest, and just kind of like like it hurts to be yeah. in his world. But as a storyteller, he's just not. 
there. He's not strong. Like, both Elysium and Chappie end with him curing death. <laughs> yeah. Because Elysium, there's yeah. a machine that can bring you back to life. And then in Chappie, they, spoiler for Chappie, the guy gets put inside the robot and can live forever as a robot. I've always loved... Um <laughs> I always love the idea of what happens. So if you let Chappie run on for an extra 30 seconds, yeah. right? So, because I, I can't remember her name now, but the woman in Chappie, obviously her memories are from like, as far as the, you tell in the film, like what, like days ago? Yeah. When Chappie scans her brain. And then he puts her into that robot body and it's like a new robot body. It's all looking good. But as far as she's aware, she was in her house so if you let that film run on for 30 seconds longer it would just be her screaming and losing her like, shit I was it Robocop 2 when he tried to do the other and he says they like tears its head off and shoots itself and yeah. he's like yeah yeah that's not gonna go down well because that's that's the main problem with Neil Blomkamp films is it, it has a cool concept but it has n- he has no idea how to <laughs> like coherently explore that concept District 9 did because I feel like he had that for, like idea for years and he finally got it made got it done but I feel like Elysium and Chappie were both ideas which can like these are the films I'm going to make and I'm not really going to so yeah I think after that plus Peter Jackson doing King Kong and whatever yeah. else those District 9 sequels Was District- King Kong after District 9? Surely not No but I think Jackson then took on The Hobbits Ah uh, yeah because he was a producer while Guillermo del Toro was directing and then he left so he then took on the directing role Okay um, Well we are coming up to time on this um, it's been another Meandering, meandering forty minutes of nonsense. Yeah, um, interesting so nonsense. I feel. We, I think, we, I'm going to ask. We're going to have two questions left, right? Okay. And we're going to crack these cases like we did with Bad Times of the Royale. Can we definitively put an answer into what it, is Patrick Bateman a psychopath, and why is Jack Torrance in the photo in The Shining? Fucking hell! <laughs> we can do it. We've got we've got four minutes. Uh, okay. <laughs> How about I, is for American Psycho? Is he a psycho? Yes. Done. Did he kill those people? Yes. Yeah. You think? No. No, I don't think he did. I don't it's like oh, that. That final admission scene where he's like just on the phone, like <laughs> Chris Bale just nailing it. It's like that Brilliant. scene made me think. No, in fact, I guess the lead up to that scene made me think that he didn't kill anyone because of the horrendous criminal repercussions that would come to him. But that's me thinking logically, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that because that's not fun. So uh, I'm just going to say that he is a psychopath because it's more fun to think that he is. And in The Shining, why is Jack Torrance in that picture at the end? Um, because the little kid had witchcraft powers and he was upset at what his daddy did to him so he trapped him in the painting and red rum was his incantation to do it there we go there we go two of the greatest mysteries in cinema history solved by Gav Sausage Meister Sausage Maker Sausage Maker man that's right I just had like a gang rap sing I'm Eminem now Wild Wild West we're talking about that now <laughs> the big spider in Wild Wild West should we talk about that so many questions left to answer oh, at the end of Wild West Wild Wild West how did it get made why did it get made that's a bizarre movie that's a bizarre let's movie. do an episode on that one day tell you what Will Smith's career went downhill when he stopped making raps for every film he was in oh, oh yeah I'll take that yeah <laughs> right guys we will wrap it there oh um, I see what you did there with the rap 
Thank you very much for listening, as always. Um, and yeah, we'll be back in our next episode talking more nonsense about more things. Um, what we do. That's it from me, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.